And good afternoon, David Peterson. Hello, Jane, and good afternoon to everyone. And Wow, what a day. What, what a, a weekend. What a day. So everybody's <laughs> out in the garden, but in to find out what they should well, be doing there. they've got their headphones on listening to us while they're out in the garden, I because hope, as well. Because they've got their smartphone That's right. And the app has been downloaded. <laughs> so today, along with all the solutions yes. to problems that, uh, that may come in, we've also got a rather interesting box. We do, we do, and the, the gift for today consists of a beautiful kangaroo paw. Uh, this one that I've got in today is a yellow one. It uh, belongs to the bush gems, so these are the dwarf kangaroo paws. Extremely well-drained soil these prefer, and of course a nice sunny spot in the garden. This one here is in full bud. I'm just waiting for it to come out. It just needs a couple more sunny days to bring the flowers out because, of course, as you realise, things are a little bit slower in uh, actual flowering at this time of the year, and particularly something like the kangaroo paw, which loves really really hot sun and of course the more hot it is the hotter it is I should say the better it's going to respond so that's the kangaroo paw today as well as that a bottle of the harvest this is the seaweed uh, emulsion that you can dilute down and use on everything in your garden as well as a container of the aqua magic this is the re-wetting granules or the water storing granules which we can pop into potting mixture or even pop around our favorite plant in the garden that just may perhaps dry out in that particular position so that's our giveaway gift that I'm of course giving away at the end of the program and that will be for an interesting call that comes yeah, up during of course, the it course would be, of yes. this program david peterson here to take your calls 49216216 on gardening talkback elizabeth has rung in from fennel bay hello elizabeth and thanks for being so patient oh thank you david how are you good that's good david um the main thing i wanted to ask you was i've got a couple of hydrangeas that I haven't uh, cut back at this stage. Is it too late to do that? Well, look, it's not too late, but just be really, really careful that you don't prune them back too severely because the harder you prune hydrangeas back, the less they're going to respond or flower the following season. Okay. So in your case, I'd be only taking just the very, very top growth off, just okay. basically to... Well, what the best way to do it is get a pair of head shears and just shape them, put them into a nice shape, and yes. that's your pruning done for this season. Oh, right. Okay. Yes, I thought, well, I wouldn't go right down to the... To the last buds, you know. The no, buds because it'd be better to just perhaps <laughs> above the top. Perhaps above the top buds at this stage. That's right. Think. Being so late that it is, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why we would only just trim them now at this time yeah. of the year. Yeah. Feed they them up. A, they are in a sheltered position. Okay, that's great. So I that's just... probably all right. But they're not very old either. They're only oh, two or three years old. Oh, okay. So, then. so they're not real big. Either. All right. So after you've done that, Elizabeth, just pop some cow manure around the base of them and even oh. just some pelleted manure so that will promote yeah. them on nice and strong right. for you. Yes, yes. I sort of, I, I, I just forgot about them, to be honest. <laughs> Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask you, I suppose it would be better to wait until um, the weather's warmer to move anything. I've got a couple of Chinese lanterns yeah. that yes. I wanted to move, but... Now, we'll leave them at least until September because the right. weather is starting to warm up. The ground yeah. really doesn't start to warm up till no. around about October. No. So, the, you know, yeah. the later you leave them, the better, particularly for things like that. And then you'll be um, pruning those back as well. And that yeah. way they'll shoot back to life very yeah. quickly for All you. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Elizabeth. And hydrangeas are such lovely plants, aren't they? They're old-fashioned, but they're all coming back again, Jane. Oh, like names. And, pardon? Like names. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, of course, there's newer varieties that are coming out in hydrangeas all the time as well. I mean, we're familiar with the really old blue and pink ones, which of course can change depending on the soil conditions. But now you get dwarf ones and you get multicoloured ones, you get the lace ones, which are really, really pretty. I think there's one called Strawberries and Cream that was um, brought out a few years ago as well, which was quite interesting as well. 
modern times. Mm-hmm. Ray joins us now from Mount View. Hello, Ray. Thanks, David. Uh, welcome back, I said. Um, <laughs> I've just been offered a, a bunch of cuttings of crepe myrtle. Yes. And I've got a little property up here at Mount View. Good soil, volcanic soil over loamy clay, well drained. Um, and I want to put these things all the way around the perimeter. So there'll be a couple of hundred metres distance. Yes. Um, suitable, first off, is it suitable, do you think? Secondly, uh, how do I go about it? Okay, well, it's a, look, a great time to be planting crepe myrtle cuttings because we would have all cut ours back now at this time of the year. And then you, the, your cuttings are there. So basically you just um, make up a cutting of around about 12 inches in length. You've got no foliage to worry about because it's all gone. So you've basically just got sticks. And what I would be doing there, you could actually put them straight into the ground and I would probably put two or three cuttings per hole uh, back into the ground and that way you can be assured that at least one of those cuttings will shoot away. So basically you, you as I said you make the 12 inch cuttings, there's nothing on them at all, there's, it's just a stick and you stick about half to nearly three, three quarters of that cutting down into the soil um, and then you just um, just wet it, just um, water it in and then you just wait. You don't need to keep them really moist constantly uh, because there's not much happening with them until springtime and that's when they're going to shoot away in the springtime for you. That's, that was the last question was, uh, when do I do this? I've got them all ready to go, yep. so can I do that now? You can certainly do it now because they're in their dormant state, so therefore it's really easy to cut them all up. They've actually been put into the ground, so they're ready to go for the spring months. Certainly what I would do once the spring came around would be just probably to uh, water some sea sole into the ground, and yep. that way that's a, a root stimulant, so it will actually help them grow some roots on your cuttings. Marvellous, and don't even have to settle the top cut. You don't, no you don't. I mean, look, they're very, very hardy. Just make sure you try and get cuttings that are about pencil thickness or if even sometimes a little bit thicker, but certainly not really small ones. So nothing under the pencil thickness because um, they're not going to really do much for you. Good as gold. Thanks again. You're welcome. Gardening Talk Back is the program right now, and David Peterson here, very happy to take your questions, 49216216. And Phyllis, you're from Awaba. Hello, Phyllis. Hello, David. Um, have you heard of the Wonga Wonga vine? I have, yes. It's you a have. very old-fashioned vine, yes. Can you still buy them? As far as I know, you can, yes. I mean, they're a little tiny little flowering thing, very vigorous growing thing. They're a native, of course. Right. But, yes, you occasionally see them during the summer months. Summer? When it's nice and warm, that's when you'll probably see them more so. Oh, right. And... Would you have them in? We, if days? I can get them, I normally keep them during the summer months, yes. So we're looking probably around November, December, around that period that you'll start to see them because that's when they uh, start to come into flower. Oh, great. Okay, thank you very much for that, David. You're welcome. I'll be over there. Okay, <laughs> all right. And what does a Wonga, flower, a Wonga vine look like, David? It's a, it's a, um, the, the flowers are sort of little tubular type flowers and they just flower in mass and it's a, um, a twining sort of growth that the, the that the um, vine has. It looks a little bit like a weed, but it grows very, very fast. And, of course, when it's in flower, it's very attractive. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) What colour are the flowers? The flowers can be more of a creamy, whitey sort of colour, yes. And it sounds like a native. Oh, it is, yes. yes. Wonga Wonga. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Okay, and Lee joins us from Rutherford. Hello, Lee. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. That's right. I was given an elkhorn for my birthday... It's on a board. I had it on a south-facing fence hanging, but I've moved it to the north 
facing. Mm-hmm. Have I done the right thing? Yeah, well, certainly north is a good position for any stags or elks because they appreciate that morning sun. They don't normally like the afternoon sun. It's a little bit too strong. So certainly, of course, at this time of the year, it would appreciate that sun that's getting on to them first thing of the morning. So now that's a good position. Okay. Any tips on how to look after it? Certainly. I was just going to tell you that. Um, you'd be best to keep it as moist as possible. Certainly uh, don't forget about it during winter time because being up on a wall or on a board, they still will dry out. And a little good little tip is that try and put something behind their leaves to try and retain the moisture. And that can be something like tea leaves. Banana leaves. Okay. Uh, They're still old fashioned, but they still do work. Yeah. And then the modern day things are things like peat moss or sphagnum moss you can pop behind it. Even some really well rotted old camanure, just throw that behind it as well, and that um, feeds it at the same time. But yeah, make sure when you're watering it, you don't just um, water it very lightly. Give it a really, really good drench so that the water actually runs through all that back part and moistens that and keeps it nice and moist. Marvellous. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Lee. And Patrice joins us from Cessnock now. Hello, Patrice. Hello, dear friend. How are you? Very well, thank you. David, um, I have two frangipanis. Mm-hmm. When can I move them? Now. Now? Now's a great time because they should be in their sleeping mode now. So if they haven't lost all their foliage, just give the tree a shake and I'm sure they will fall off anyway. Uh, and that is the time to move them when they're dormant because you're not actually disturbing them. They're asleep. Oh even though that sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? We're not disturbing them when they're asleep. Um, But yes, so now would be a great time to do that. When you've moved them, just water them in really well and then just um, once we get into spring, just start to treat them with the sea sole. I'm actually, uh, do you notice I'm accentuating that sea sole now, Jane, because I've had lots of people tell me that I'm saying sea salt. And it's not sea salt, it's actually sea salt because sea salt is a root stimulant. So, yeah, just water some of that around it and that will actually create the um, the, the roots to start growing for you. Well, it is excellent. Okay. It is excellent. Now, another question. Yes. And I hope our dear friend Phil is listening. Right. I have tomatoes <laughs> facing north. Yes. In a lovely warm spot tonight. Want to break last year's record? I picked them on the 24th of July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope to pick these about the 25th of July. Well, that would be really great if you could I and let us to know. Brag to Phil about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I'm sure Phil's listening. Look, I did, believe it or not, I actually just um, ordered some winter tomatoes in today and little seedlings. So, I mean, it, it's not too early for those people that want to put tomatoes in but make sure you buy the winter tomatoes you don't just buy the normal tomatoes that we uh, grow during the summer and, f- and of course you're going to tell me different Patrice because you've probably just got the normal tomatoes in I wouldn't have a clue what <laughs> <laughs> so, seed is a supermarket special oh okay it's been moved to three different areas right it was so pathetic now I put it into a pot Stuck it in a position where it was facing north against the lovely warm brick wall, and I have three lovely tomatoes on and some new flowers on top of the bush. So that's amazing. That is sea soul feeding. Well, that's great. That's great. That's good advertising for sea soul. (laughs) Then in that case, well, thanks very much, Patrice. Thanks, thanks, Patrice. This is gardening talk back, and we're taking your calls on four nine two one six two one six. And we're standing by for Kay's call in just a moment.
And it's a beautiful-looking day. If you're thinking of getting out on the waters, the forecast is for south-southwesterly winds this afternoon, 15 to 20 knots, seas up to 1.5 metres, and the swell building to 1.5 to 2 metres as the day goes on. Large swells breaking dangerously close inshore too. Our next tide is not too far away, 5 to 2 this afternoon, 0.6 of a metre. It's a low tide, and the sun with us until 5 o'clock this evening. Currently at Nobby's we have nor-nor-westerly winds, Six knots, gusting to seven knots, and the temperature sitting on 17 degrees as the day warms up. And this is Gardening Talkback, David Peterson. We're taking questions on 49216216, and Kay has rung in from Whitebridge. Hello, Kay. Hello, David. Just wondering if you could tell me when I should be spraying winter grass that's growing in my cochu, please. Can you see it? Yes. Well, now's the time to spray it. Rotten stuff. <laughs> yes, it what is. What do you spray it with, David? Well, that's, that's a good question because with Kaikuyu, we cannot use the winter grass killer for some reason. Oh. Uh, there is a, a product in that that just uh, disagrees with Kaikuyu. But a little secret is that if you just spray it the once, it doesn't really affect the Kaikuyu. It's only if you spray it more than once, okay. uh, multiple applications, that you actually have trouble with your Kaikuyu. But certainly in your case, if you can see it just in patches, I would be still using the winter grass killer but thanks for bringing that up because it's a great point at this time of the year we should only ever spray our winter grass when we can see it there's no sense in spraying it beforehand and of course there's no sense in spraying it when it's gone to seed because the damage has been done the seeds are falling in the ground ready for the next germination so certainly when you see it now get in and spray it quickly it's a survivor isn't it it is yes (laughs) and uh, ian now from north arm cove hello ian Hi David, uh, I've got a, a problem with a frangipani, um, I planted it oh, about 18 months ago, it's only grown up to about a little bit over a metre, probably a metre and a half, and it, the main trunk came, came straight up as straight as a die and then the branches started going out at about 45 degrees and the, um, the main trunk, there's nothing more growing on it and all the branches are now going out at 45 degrees which means it's not stable. And I'm just wondering, is there any way I can encourage growth to come out on the other side to balance it up a bit, uh, like put a cut or whatever? I'm uh, that's, uh, the main uh, the main query. Unfortunately, not. I mean, with frangipanis, certainly you can cut the top out of them, but believe me, it takes a long time for them to reshoot. And you've always got that danger of when you cut it that fungal disease may get in that top shoot and work its way down. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a waiting game with frangipanis. They are extremely slow in their growth. Certainly, if you, if you feel it's a little bit unstable, it may be the case where you may have to stake that main branch up um, and then eventually it will actually shoot out from the other side. It will shoot out from all stages. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a gamble when you, uh, you know, you want that extra growth. But I always strongly suggest not to cut it if you can avoid it because it will cause problems. Okay, David, thanks very much for that. My Put pleasure. Mind at rest. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye now. Frangipanis, um, do they, they prefer summer too, presumably? They do, they do. They, at the moment, of course, they're in their winter state where they're completely denuded of all their foliage, so they go back into sleeping mode, as we call it, during winter time. And as we said earlier, that's a great opportunity to get in and take cuttings from them. Now, in saying that, there's, there's nothing that you need to do to that area when you cut a frangipani because you'll notice when you do cut it, 
it, it will milk, milk profusely, and that milk actually seals that cut up for you. And of course, the same thing with the cuttings. You just throw those on the ground for at least two or three weeks so that that sap actually seals the cut, and then you slip them into the position. You slip them straight into the ground. You don't have to put them into a pot or anything like that. You put them straight into the ground where you want them to grow. And also, too, the advantage with frangipanis are you can cut quite a long length of branch off, throw it on the ground, and then stick that in. You don't have to actually take small cuttings, so you can take fairly big branches as well. So that means you could have lots and lots of frangipani trees from oh, just yes, one branch. Yes, but remembering there's, all, once again, like most things, there's so many different varieties that you can get. We don't see a lot of the range of varieties down this south, but certainly if you travel up north, you can actually pick up a great range of um, different varieties of frangipani. And they will grow quite happily yeah, in this area grow, yeah. as well. As long as you're prepared. I mean, up north, of course, they don't lose their leaves uh, as much. They still do to a, to a certain extent, but they certainly don't lose them to the extent where we do down here. And will the cuttings that you plant in the ground always stay true to the parent They will, plant? yes. Yes, they will. Mm, good. Well, Marion's joined us now from Summerland Point. Hello, Marion. Hello, David. Um, look, I've got some bearded irises in my front garden and I'd like to move them. Can I do that at this we normally suggest with irises to move them. You can do that a couple of times of the year, autumn and spring. With the bearded irises, they are a summer flowering thing. Mm. So what I would suggest for you to do is to leave them until spring mm -hmm. and then you'll find that if you dig that clump up, uh, you break the clump up and then with the clump that you've broken up, take all the foliage off. So you basically take yep. three quarters of the foliage off. So you're just left with a rhizome, as we call it, or a root yep. part of the root system and a little bit of foliage at the top. You stick that in, remembering also that you don't bury that rhizome down into the ground really de deep because you, the rhizome likes to be exposed a little bit. Otherwise, eventually when they start growing, it will actually raise itself up so that the rhizome is exposed again. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank All right. you very much. My pleasure. And also, too, remembering that the, the, the irises, they like a bed on their own. They don't like to be in amongst a lot of other things. They really like to be on their own in a garden somewhere. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. A feature plant. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't like competition, so that's why they like to be on their own. To a new RFM's gardening talkback at the moment, Ian from Dora Creek. Hello, Ian. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Any, any better than this would be perfect, wouldn't it? Isn't it beautiful for winter? <laughs> it sure is. Look, David, I put a, um, a table grape in about three, three um, springs ago. Mm -hmm. Haven't had any fruit from it yet, so I'm hoping that uh, come uh, fruiting season this season I might get something. Is there anything I can do uh, to help that process? It certainly is. Look, so with, with grapevines, the most important thing is that we prune them back very, very severely during the winter months. Once again, when they're asleep, we prune oh, them... That. Pardon? I've done that. Yeah. Okay, great. So we prune them back at least three quarters of the way back. Then at the later part of winter, we then feed them up with some citrus fertiliser because that entails all fruiting things. And also, in your case, you may have to pop some potash down into, onto the ground as well around your grapevine. That's actually a flower and fruit producer. So they're the two main things that you need to add to the grapevine to try and get um, production of fruit. All right, so there's citrus of food and potash. And the potash. You combine them together and then you just yep. sprinkle that around the base and make sure, of course, you water that in. 
All right, and then I, would, would I expect to see something about February? Is that about the go? These were, were well, you would expect right? to see flowers certainly before then to actually produce the the um, just the bunches of grapes. Yes, but certainly by February you should have bunches of grapes on there. All right. Well, thanks for your great help. All right. Good luck this year. Thanks, Ian. And this is Gardening Talk Back. We're very happy to have your calls. And 49216216 is the number you can ring to get your call through to us. There are lines available right at the moment. Now, let me tell you about a beer appreciation night at this stage. It's being held at the grain store perhaps from the garden, in 64 Scott Street, Newcastle East, and uh, at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, the 10th of July. Uh, it's a sub... or oh, Pulse is a subcommittee of the HMRI Foundation, and they're raising funds for early career researchers, and this is a fundraising evening for them. Beer appreciation, brewing and banter, sampling some beers and having canapes to go along. You might even learn some brewing secrets. Uh, tickets are limited though and you'd need to go online to find out how you can get your seats that's hmri.com.au slash events slash pulse hyphen events but if you go to the hmri uh, website you should well find out what's happening there to a new rfm in touch with our community This is Gardening Talk Back with David Peterson dishing out the knowledge when you ask him on to a new RFM. 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question through to David. Kate's in from Lambton. Hello, Kate. Hi, David. Um, I have, I need a suggestion actually. Right. I have an area that's about uh, two metres long and only about half a, a metre wide. Um, the only sun it gets is late in the afternoon, and I'd like to put something in there that's a bit colourful. What do you suggest? So you don't want anything to grow too high? 
No, I don't want it too high. Okay. Well, the only, the only thing that bounces to, to mind straight away, of course, is the New Guinean patients, which are all very colourful. They are available all the way through wintertime at the moment. Normally with impatience, they stop once it gets a bit colder, but with the New Guineas, they go all the way through the season. So they are very, very good. Something else, if you're wanting it in an annual, uh, the primulas make a very, very good show. You've got colour all the way through the later part of winter into early spring with those. Um, and even the Cinerarias, there's something else that takes the shade very, very well. Otherwise, colour, the only other colourful thing that I can suggest are things like Helleborus. Now, Helleborus have a very unusual coloured flower. They can be in um, the paler pinks or the green coloured flowers or even uh, a grey sort of coloured flower. So they're unusual, but they form clumps of colour in that sort of area. But more so than anything else, I think I'd go for the New Guinean patients. Uh-huh. Um, is there anything you would suggest in a small bush? The only thing in a small bush that I'd suggest would be something like a gardenia, which you could keep trimmed down and just keep nice and compact. And, of course, that would be in the white, uh, the white only that you could put there. The only other thing is you could plant there would be some bromeliads, which will give you colour, which have the coloured foliage as well. Okay. All right. right. Thanks. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Or maybe a mixture of all of them. Yeah, eh? that's right. (laughs) Wendy has rung in from Oyster Cove. Hello, Wendy. Hello, David. Um, I'm just wondering how early I can put some potash and, you know, the flower and fruiting stuff on hydrangeas for the summer. Well, certainly I would leave that just a little bit longer. So looking towards uh, later winter... Uh, early spring for popping most of those things on. Certainly you can use it, uh, but it mostly will only last a certain length of time. Most fertilisers only have a withholding period of approximately uh, six to eight weeks. So therefore I would just leave it just say about another month or so and then pop that all around them. Oh, good, thanks. And I also have a grevillea that's flowering. I don't know the name of it. It's only a little flower. And over the years I've, I've not been very good at pruning and it's all awful <laughs> so if i cut it right back down i've heard you can cut them right back down low after it's flowered it'd be okay to do that would it yes i wouldn't make it come up better than well it, it, better. Yeah, it would but i certainly wouldn't go to that extreme certainly to cut it back so you've got at least some foliage left on it so it shoots out nicely once again you would just leave that a little bit longer to do that pruning if possible Okay, just leave it till spring. Yeah, that's right, yes. When you can start to see some more growth coming out on it, that would be the time to give it a prune back. Oh, good. Okay, thanks a lot for that. You're welcome. Thanks, Wendy. And we are taking your calls, 49216216. And Karen has rung in from Barnsley. Hello, Karen. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I'm just ringing up about I've got hibiscus in my yard mm-hmm. and they've always got either grubs or snails or something on them. Um, they just start to look nice and then they get eaten away. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering what I can do. Well, look, certainly uh, with the snails, it is always a very big problem because the snails that often get on the hibiscus are those tiny little South African snails, which, of course, they don't go after the bait, the normal pelleted baits that we put around for the snails. There is a little secret behind that. If If you're very, very careful... Mm-hmm. and you crush some of the snail bait up, just you know, put it between uh, a cloth so that you're not coming in contact with it, and just um, knock it with a hammer or something like that so you crush it up into like a powder, 
Mm-hmm. And then you just wet the plant and then you just throw the powder over the plant. Basically what it does, all the little granules actually stick to the wet areas on the hibiscus and that way the little wet areas and the granulars, the granulated um, uh, parts and the, the powder, the snails will actually go after that. So that's, oh. that's a little secret there because they certainly won't climb down the hibiscus and nibble at the pellets that you're probably putting around the ground. And secondly, the spray, you just spray them just uh, generally uh, every three or four weeks throughout the growing season just mm-hmm. with a caterpillar spray and oh, that okay. should keep that away as well. Okay, that's great. All right. Thank you very much. Good Thanks, luck Karen. with those hibiscus <laughs> plants. Uh, Christine from Gresford. Hello, Hello Christine. David. How are you? Good, thank you. David, as far as the, um, the winter grass in the Kaikuyu, what about winter grass in buffalo lawns? Buffalo lawns are fine. It's every other lawn it can be used on oh, except Kaikuyu, so, which is quite the reverse to a lot of other things. I mean, normally we mm. think buffalo as being the most temperamental lawn, mm. but in actual fact we can use the winter grass uh, killer on the buffalo lawns. So. Okay, I thought you couldn't kill grass in grass. Um, well, it, it's probably it's probably got that name of grass, but it's it's, okay. it's a formulation. You're getting very technical now. No, no, I just thought I heard <laughs> someone on the show once with that. But is it called win- just called winter grass killer? It is. It's now been simplified because it used to be called endothol and all sorts of things, but it's now just labelled as winter grass killer. So, okay. Yes. So it's not MCPA, is it? Um, We're on a farm and we've got stuff like that. Okay. We'll see. Once again, in larger quantities, yes, the name would change uh, okay. accordingly, but you would just have to find out. Wintergrass uh, killer. killer. That's right, yes. Terrific. And, and look, one thank- other little thing, I've got um, an abundance of limes, but on some of my limes uh, at one end is like this burn. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't know what that's all about sometimes it's sort of scalded well, at one end i was just going to say sometimes it is a burning action that gives you like a, a, a scalding action i would say it's just damage that may have been done in just during the summer season yes. not necessarily during this time of the year so that would just grow out of that normally for you okay Terrific. All right, thanks very okay. much for that. You're welcome. And to a new RFM, the home of your easy listening favourites and also the home of Gardening Talkback and David Peterson. His questions are available to you, 49216216. We'll get your question through to David today. We've got him until one thirty today. And June has rung in now from Redhead. Hello, June. Hi, David. Um, David, I've just given some, is it Lillian's, L-I-L-I-U-N? Yes, yes. Um, I've never had them before. I've done anything with them. Wondering, what do I do with them? Okay, now you've got lilliums in the form of what, what at the moment, bulbs or? Yes, they are, okay. and they're in plastic at the moment. Yes. And I just didn't know what to do. That's all right. Okay, so lilliums are now coming into season, so we've actually finished planting all our spring bulbs, and it's mm, now time ori- to. Oriental, is it? That's oriental. right, oriental lilliums. Mm. Uh, so now is the season we start planting our lilliums. So you'll find on the back of that packet it'll give you instructions of actually how to plant them. It they just have anything there, but. Oh, okay. All right, so basically with lilliums, you plant them in a nice, sunny, well-drained position into the garden and you bury the bulb down into the soil, approximately six inches in depth down into the soil. Make sure it's... About six 
inches. About six inches, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- they're one of the bulbs that need to be planted just a little bit deeper than our normal bulbs. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start to see them shoot once the summertime comes um, or the springtime comes when the weather warms up. They are a plant that you need to stake because they will have very, very long stems and then the flowers are at the very, very top. So you basically need a stake there in beside them when you start off with them. Well, that, that indicates where you've got a bulb planted anyway, in my mm, case, because okay. I often forget. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then you'll just stake it as it starts to grow and then it will bloom successfully for you once it has shot from the ground. Start feeding it with just one of your liquid fertilisers that you dilute down and water over the garden, and that just promotes the growth and promotes good, strong growth for you. Okay, how far apart, David, and what type of soil? Okay, so how far apart? Normally about a foot apart if you're planting a a clump of them. Mm. And you'll probably find in very, very well-drained soil, I would actually boost the ground up with some cow manure so it's nice, it's got a lot of humus in it, and it's nice and light. So that's the sort of soil. Just put cow manure and... um and compost. That's and right, yes. Well, that's great. Well, that's ready to go for you then in that case. All right, they can go in any time now? Right? They can go in from now on, yes, that's right. Okay, and, and when they're finished, do I have to take them out at all, David? Or well, I never used to take them out. As long as you can label the area that you've got the yeah, lilies planted there and it's not an area that's going to get overly wet and moist during the winter months. That's the only thing you've yeah. got to be careful of with lilies because they hate a lot of moisture around them. Yeah, no, it's... Well, it's Sandy soil, okay. but I have got a lot of yes. compost and everything. But look, there. otherwise, if you wanted to dig them up, once they've yes. died down to the bulb, as like any other bulb, you dig them up, you take all the excess soil off, and you just hang them somewhere where it's nice and airy. Okay, so you don't have to put them in anything, just hang them. Just, I'd usually use the orange baskets, you know, that you buy oranges in. Oh, yes. They're yes. great for hanging bulbs in because it lets the air through them and you Groovy. can just hang them up somewhere. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, June. Okay. Thanks, June. And on 2NURFM, this is Gardening Talkback, and David's with us until 1.30, and we will be pausing for the news in Mm. just a moment, David. Uh, Your questions on 49216216, of course. We'll check the weather for our sponsor, Hunter Motor Group Maitland, for Subaru, Volkswagen, Honda and Isuzu. Sunny today, maybe a shower tonight, 16 degrees at Warners Bay at the moment. Um, David, I often wonder about uh, mixing natives and uh, exotic plants in a garden. Is that a reasonable thing to do? Oh, of course it is these days, yes. I mean, it used to be the fact where we would just plant natives on their own in the garden, just have a native garden. But look, natives and exotics, I mean, a lot of people really... Uh, don't know the difference sometimes in the two. So, yeah, they blend in quite well. I mean, look, let, let's just give you a typical example. Lily pillies, which is not really a native, but it looks like a native is planted in the garden. Um, it's not a true native, I should say, um, but certainly it can be mixed in with natives and it blends in really, really well. And, David, we yes. do have a very special task to do. We do, we do. We need to announce the winner of last month's um, prize, which, of course, is a $40 voucher both for the nurse uh, so congratulations goes to Kim Campbell of West Walls and you've won the $40 voucher and that'll be sent out to you very, very soon. So that was Kim Campbell of West Walls End. And we look forward to entries in for We do. The yep, July they've one. started. They've already started. Excellent. So, so 49216216 is the number for you to ring and Barbara has rung in now from Maryland. Hello, Barbara. Hello, David. How are you? Good. 
good. I'm just ringing. I've burned. I've sorry. I've pruned my roses back yesterday. You're too early. You're too early, oh, Barbara. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I pruned them back. What I want to know now is the time frames between putting down um, the manure. I put cow manure on mm. last year. It did very well with that. Also, a layer of mulch. But I can't remember the time frames that I put them down one on the other. Well, look, you can certainly do it straight away. When you've pruned your roses, make sure, of course, you spray them with lime sulphur. Uh, that seals any cuts and kills any scar that may be on the rose still. Okay. Uh, and then you can put your manures down and then you can put your mulch down straight away. So it's all done, ready for them to shoot away nicely. Okay, so what date, what time of the year do you recommend... Normally, normally with the way the weather is going, I mean, normally we would leave our rose pruning until late July, early August, and we might just slip in and say that I do have a rose pruning demonstration this Sunday at 2 o'clock at the nursery. Okay. So if you're still, you know, a bit apprehensive of how to prune them, that's mm-hmm. always a good thing to come and watch. It's a very simple sort of demonstration. So, yeah, with our weather, it's getting warmer. Our winters are getting warmer, so therefore our pruning gets pushed back and back. So late winter, late July. July, early right. August. Okay, then I remember that for <laughs> next year. Now, hydrangeas, I've got one from you like the other uh, month, I think it was about mm. three months ago. And I'd just like to know when I start feeding that with the colour, the blue colour. Yes, you start doing that the moment it starts shooting away for the beginning of the season. So you'll be starting to see buds starting to swell on the hydrangeas. So as soon as they look like they're going to burst, that's the time you start using your colouring on them. Very good. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Thank you, Barbara. And Dennis now has rung in from Belmont North. Hello, Dennis. G'day, David. How are you? Good, thank you. I want to ring about... I have a tree fern out the front, and it's been attacked by some sort of critter, Um, but it's taken off one side of each, um, you know, side of the branch. Mm -hmm. Um, So it must be quite a... You know, hungry little devil. So, um, do you do you think you would have possums in the area? Funny you say that. Right? <laughs> because the possums I've would got a pet possum. Oh, okay, right. So, him, he wouldn't do that to me. Well, wouldn't wouldn't he? As no. if it's hungry, it probably would. See, possums really love nice green, nice young shoots, and of course, the tree fern when it gets at that young shoot, it would be perfect feeding material for your possums. So, I would say possibly that's what has done it. Just the possums started nibbling away at it. Oh, my goodness! Yes. The little devil. <laughs> You'd better speak to him, I think, Dennis. I can't believe that. <laughs> yes. They so, I mean, no- <laughs> normally, you know, in the summertime, I would say possibly you may have a caterpillar or something like that. But certainly in your case, I would definitely say it would be the possum that's nibbling away at the young shoots, Dennis. Who would have figured that? Yes. <laughs> a <Wow>. prime suspect. <laughs> Gardening talk back on 2NURFM. And we're taking your calls on 49216216. Catherine has rung in now from Lambton. Hello. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. Look, I just wanted to ask you how you kill kikuyu in a cooch lawn. You can't, and this brings us back to a point we had mentioned earlier about sprays being used to kill one grass out of another. We were talking about winter grass at the time. But this leads us through to this point now. You cannot kill one grass out of another grass because they are all related. Now, the only way you can get around doing this is by mixing up some zero glyphosate or Roundup. They're all the same 
same sort of product and then basically just painting a little bit on some of the grass. Now you don't have to cover the entire grass area that you're wanting to kill. You just need to dab it on various blades and that draws it down into the grass and kills it only that particular section. But, right, but okay. Catherine, I, I want to stress that this time of the year is not a good time of the year to be doing it because chemicals work much slower because it's so cold and, of course, mm -hmm. we don't have the intensity in the sun as we do during the warmer months. Right, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Catherine. All right, all right. <laughs> and we're taking your calls. Uh, Francis has rung in now from Fennel Bay. Hello, Francis. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Um, what I'm ringing about is the fajoa. Yes. It's about eight foot high, and I used to get fruit off it, and now I don't. And my husband wants to hack it back, and I'm, I'm sure it's August before we're allowed to touch it. That's right. Yes, yep. that's exactly right. So you are... <laughs> You are right, because we certainly wouldn't prune things like um, guavas back at this time of the year because they are more of a semi-tropical thing. Yep. And if you go pruning it back now, you'll probably find it won't come back to life as, as, as good. So, yeah, leave it till the springtime, yep. and that's when you can give it a good prune. Now, after pruning, what I would suggest there for you, Francis, is to actually feed it up with some citrus fertiliser because that entails all fruiting things. And also mix some potash with it, which is, of course, a flower and fruit producer. And right. you should be assured of getting a good crop of fruit that season. I think, I think this, this year I got five off it. That's all. I, mean, I used it. Yes, it didn't do very well at all. No. So, yes, try the citrus fertiliser and, yep. and the potash when you've pruned it back, and that should promote it on nicely for you. So August or September to do the pruning? I, I would say going into September would be September. fine. Yes. Yep. Okay, then. This is Gardening Talk back with David Peterson taking your calls. And, David, Len is on the line now, or I should just say before we go to Len, 49216216 is the number for you to ring. Now, Len. Hello, Len. Hello. Hello to both of you. Good, thank you. Um, this is Len Greenfinger from Stockton. I've rung it quite a few times. I saw it in the nursery a couple of months ago and we bought a few things. Uh, what's happened is I had a, um, my lawn was very, very sort of where the lawn is. It was very sort of, uh, not much growing. So the chap behind me cut some grass, which was, uh, so water with the seeds on it. Mm-hmm. And I threw that in and sort of raked it over, the, hoping the so wall of grass would come up. And all that's come up is like clumps of grass. Yes. Yeah, because with, with Sir Walter, it is a hybrid, so I, I would uh, assume that it wouldn't have come up anyway. It's only the no. true grasses that would um, would seed that would come up because a lot of the hybrids wouldn't um, wouldn't come up anyway. So. Oh, okay. I thought that if I put the seeds in, because he, he cut the lawn and yep. that it probably start well, growing, but that, I, I didn't expect it to, to, to grow just yet. But all I've got is these clumps of grass, like uh, not like lawn grass, it's just clumps mm -hmm. of green grass. In a, how do I get rid of that? Uh, well, look, depending on what it is, it, it could be a weed that's in your lawn. It could even be winter grass that's come up that you're unaware of. And, but we would have to identify that particular grass to make sure. A good way is to probably just dig a few of those up, take them into the nursery, identify them, and then they would suggest a product to actually get rid of it. But it's probably not buffalo at all. It probably is just a weed of some description. Okay, that's fine. All right. So get rid of those weeds. That's what it's all about. Michael ringing in from Broadmeadow now on Gardening Talkback. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you? 
I'm very well, thanks. Right. I've just got a question. I seem to have a lot of uh, onion weed growing in my garden. Yes. And in the garden beds. I was just wondering, how do I go about getting rid of it? Look, it's just one of the most difficult weeds to actually get rid of from the garden. There, there are products that will get rid of it eventually. And I do say eventually because it's not just one application. It's several applications to get rid of it. The, the products being Zero Roundup or Glyphosate, they're all the same product. Now, look... The only time that these products will work successfully, particularly on something like onion weed, is during the warmer months. So we wouldn't even suggest to try and do it this time of the year. We would wait until spring. It's in the lawn or it's in the gardens? It's in, the, it's in both. It's in the okay. garden bed right into the lawn. Now. All right. So in the garden beds, you would need to basically cut it down to a degree and let the young shoots come up, and that's the growth you need to spray the products on because it's the young active growing growth that will consume the chemical. In the lawn, it's a more difficult procedure, whereas once again, once you've cut the lawn and you see the little bits of onion weed coming out, you've got to paint the Zero or Roundup or glyphosate on. You cannot spray it because anything that this product hits, it will kill. So therefore, you've just got to paint a little bit onto the weed. You don't have to cover the entire blade of grass. It's just a matter of putting a little bit on each of the young foliage. I know it sounds tedious, but it's really the only thing to do. You should never attempt to dig it up, Michael, because the moment you start to attempt to dig onion weed up, you will disperse millions of little bulbs underneath the ground and your situation just becomes ten times as bad. So you, the chemical is the only way. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I've done previously, so <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll take that under consideration. Thanks for your help on that, and I'll, I'll get on to it uh, later on, I okay. suppose, when what? it's... A once we get into spring, once the weather warms up and you start to see a lot of young growth on your onion weed, that's the time to start getting in and treating it. Okay, lovely. Thank Thanks, you. Michael. Oh, onion, onion weed is the bane of our lives. I know it is. It's it? incredible. It's so hard to get out. I guarantee we have a question about onion weed every week. I and I mean, understand that. It is, as Michael said, it's something that people tend to do is they try and dig it up. And, of course, that really is a very, very big mistake because once you disturb it, even though, look, I've had people, Jane, sifting the soil to get all the little bulblets out. You never do because there are bulblets there that you cannot see that will actually go through the sift that you're using so never attempt to actually dig it up manually because you just make the situation at least 10 times as bad what about snipping off the flower heads well yes you should really do that because i mean once again once the flower heads produce the seeds those seeds can fall and once again you've got a very very big problem so that's why i say you know if you've got it in the lawn mow your lawn and then sit down on a nice sunny day and just dab a little bit on the blades of grass. As I said, you don't have to cover the entire blade of, um, of grass. It's just a matter of putting a little bit onto the weed and that's all. And to a new RFM, 25 past one. Gardening talk back coming to an end, but we've still got a couple of questions, a couple of problems for David to solve. Paul. Hello, Ooh. Paul. Ooh. Hello, David. Hello, Paul. How are you? Good. Well, um, I've got a little tricky situation. I was cleaning my garden up on Friday, Saturday, and um, in doing it, I decided to burn off some of the rubbish sort of laying around the place, and I thought I'd put it all out. But last night, about midnight, my neighbour rang up saying, your front garden's on fire again. Oh. <laughs> so, but we've lost... Um, it's, the moisture seemed to take off to you, and I don't know why, but my main concern is... We had various um, ferns in the garden. We had some um, bird's nest and a couple of the um, dinosaur palms. They've all been burned back. 
Will they come back on? They certainly will. Look, anything like a fern will actually shoot away again in the springtime. What you're best to do is just leave them alone at the moment. When you, okay. when you start to see some new growth appear, that's the time when you can prune all the, um, the scorched ones off and all that new growth will come back to life as good as ever. Leave the scorched ones there for the moment because they're protecting the young growth that's going to come up from underneath. Um, and then once we see a really good amount of growth, that's when we can prune all the scorched ones away so the new ones can take over and look really good. Oh, okay. All right. I was concerned I lost it all. No, no, you haven't lost it. Even with palms, they will grow from the centre out again, give you new fronds, and your plant will look as good as ever by the end of spring. Fantastic. Isn't spring a wonderful yes. renewing season? <laughs> and Shirley from Aberdeen. Hello, Shirley. Oh, hello, David. I have um, two things that I want to ask you, if I may. Um, one is concerning an olive tree that we have. Um, that is probably eight years old. It fruited the first season, but it um, doesn't want to fruit anymore. Okay. Well, look, certainly we can try and fix that for this oncoming season. You've probably heard me mention on the program a product called Potash. Potash is basically a very good product, particularly for things that haven't fruited. It stimulates them into fruiting. Uh, so uh -huh. basically you just need to sprinkle that around the base of the tree, water that in, and that actually stimulates the tree to produce flowers and then, of course, to produce the fruit. So it may pay you, if you haven't fed it uh, in recent years, to feed it even just a citrus fertiliser because that entails all fruiting things and then combine it with the potash as well, which is that little bit of extra bonus, which will help you give your you give the olive flowers through to that fruiting stage. Okay, so um, not just yet though? Not just yet, it's a little bit early at the moment, so leave it about another month and then we can start feeding all our fruit trees and things ready for the oncoming season. And it sounds like the same answer for a passion fruit vine. It does, exactly right, because passion fruit are a tropical thing, so they only crop for us during the warmer months. So exactly yes. the same product, the citrus fertiliser and the potash popped around it, watered in well, and then it'll yes. just take off for that season. All right, that's excellent. All Thank right. you so much. Thanks, Thanks Shirley. Shirley and David. We're just about at the time now, but we do have to decide who's going to win your gift. We do, we do, and let's just run through it very, very quickly. It consists of this beautiful kangaroo paw, which is a yellow one. It belongs to the bush gem, so there are the dwarf varieties. A container of the Aquamagic. These are the water-storing granules, as well as a container of the Organics Harvest, which is the seaweed uh, fertiliser, which we can use on everything and I thought I might give that to Kay of Whitebridge today she rang us about the winter grass problem so Kay all you really need to do is make your way along to Walls End Community Nursery and that's on the corner of Crowders and Lake Road Walls End one condition is you get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift and that is when we will see you again David you Peterson will, Jane. Next thank Monday you very much after the midnight news <laughs> the midday uh, <laughs> I do mean midday thank you for that I'm thinking of our exclusive movie preview which is coming up next week before midnight. So, yes, there will be tickets for that with Sarah this afternoon. Midday news is Thank what you, I mean. I'll David see you Peterson then. for gardening. <laughs> Talk back coming up on 2NURFM.